When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help you. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. 2024 is going to be a monster year in politics. We want to keep you up to date on all things election, but you've got lives, families, jobs, and you can't always listen every day to the show. That's why we've created a podcast called 24 that gives a recap of our election coverage from the week. Think of it like a highlight reel, a breakdown of all the plays, analysis, and team interviews. 24 will drop at noon Eastern on Sundays in our podcast feed. You can find it on the free iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Welcome, everybody. Monday edition of Clay and Buck starts right now. And, of course, a lot of big news to dive into today with all of you. We've got the New Hampshire GOP primary, which is imminent. Tomorrow, the votes will be cast. The first in the nation primary, the Granite State, New Hampshire Getting a whole lot of love and attention from the rest of the country here. Uh, we'll discuss what's going on there, the latest polls, how it's all looking. A big component of that story came in over the weekend. It is that Donald Trump has uh, called Ron DeSantis a terrific person after Ron DeSantis said that he is suspending his presidential campaign. So it is over for DeSantis 2024. Um, Clay and I will give you our assessment of this one. There is some discussion as to whether DeSantis would even be in the Trump administration, possibly. Nikki Haley is uh, getting some rough stuff from Trump world right now because she is the only contender left in the mix. So Donald Trump had some words about Nikki Haley over the weekend, also spoke to whether she may be in the uh, Trump administration if Trump does, in fact, end up winning. Some updates on the Fonnie Willis case, uh, the situation with her uh, paramour. Basically, the whole thing is falling apart legally, and it looks like Trump may have beaten one of the felony indictments against him without ever having to set foot in a courtroom. I don't think that's the last time that's going to happen. Uh, and then something coming out of New York and the How Many Stops Act, the New York City Council It's as though they want more crime in NYC. Democrats are like, how could we make more crime? Well, if we have time, we'll get to that one later on. But Clay, a lot in the world of politics. Can I just start with, um, with two things for you, right? Let, let's get into the latest polling that I see here is, oh, well, actually this one still has DeSantis technically in the mix. So I don't know if there's been a poll yet of Trump v. Haley 1v1 effectively. Um, but Trump was at 50%, Haley was at 34, DeSantis 11 over the weekend. So Trump way out ahead. What do you think as we're going into New Hampshire tomorrow about the final, uh, stand, if you will, of Nikki Haley and also of Ron DeSantis stepping down? I think let's start reverse there. And I, and by the way, I'd love to hear from our audience. We only have one guest. JD Vance is going to join us top of the next hour. 
Uh, but I'd love to hear from DeSantis supporters, 800-282-2882, now that Ron DeSantis has dropped out and endorsed Donald Trump. And, Buck, this is what you and I said had to happen after DeSantis lost by 30. It was over, and it didn't make any sense once he decided, well, I'm not going to compete in New Hampshire. And you said, well, you're going to lose in New Hampshire and post a single-digit score. And then somehow you're going to come back and beat Nikki Haley in a month and come in second in South Carolina. And then the math just didn't add up. And I give credit to DeSantis and his team. They worked as hard as they possibly could. And there will be, given the amount of money spent and given the amount of uh, uh, material and, and, and resources and everything else, it's going to be a lot written about it. I think the, the, the biggest takeaway is once Trump was charged in March and all of those additional charges came, I don't think anybody could have beaten Trump. And we've talked about on this show that that is the the Democrat plan, that they want to try to weaken Trump and they want to run against him. That is what they want. Even if you are a dyed-in-the-wool Trump supporter, you need to understand what the strategy is of the other side. Now, they can be wrong, and we'll figure that out over the next 10 months, whether they were or were not wrong uh, in wanting Trump. They wanted him in 16 and lost. We'll see. But I think DeSantis made the only decision that was the right one. I don't think he's going to be hurt in 2028. If I were giving him advice now, I would say be a killer, incredible, phenomenal governor. You live in Florida. I spend a lot of time there. I think Florida's got as good or better the, uh, of a governor than anybody. I think DeSantis was right on COVID. We should talk about that some. Uh, but I think the choice was the right one. I think it was the only one. And I don't think somehow DeSantis is is harmed in a significant way if he wants to run again in 28. Look, I think that he will uh, put himself fully behind the Trump 2024 effort. We can say that now, right? He's out, everybody. So we're not we're not jumping the gun here. We're not getting ahead of things. I think he's going to um, take the Ted Cruz path, if you will, of, okay, we fought hard in the primary, but now we are going to be allies because that's what's best for the uh, Republican Party, what's best for the country more a lot of this. You know, instead of saying I think Trump is better than Ron DeSantis, there were some people on the right who always took the tact of uh, or took the tack of um, Ron DeSantis wasn't good on COVID or Ron DeSantis isn't a good governor or Ron DeSantis. I, I mean, none of that was true. I mean, the GOP has chosen chosen Trump, so he is the choice of the Republican Party. There's no question about that. But you don't have to, you know. Silver, the silver medalist in the Olympics isn't a loser. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. You, you don't have to think Ron DeSantis is a chump just because he can't beat Donald Trump, who's a once in a generation, maybe a once in a lifetime political phenomenon. And Trump, I thought this was a, he said a few things, but this was a moment last night, um, where he says the nickname, this is cut two, the nickname DeSanctimonious officially retired. I just said, will I be using the name Ron DeSanctimonious? I said, that name is officially retired. <laughs> and I think that also goes to people who are, I'm just going to say, people who are running around online, whether they're influencers or just other folks, saying, there's no room on the Trump train for anyone who wasn't. That's just not true. Uh, Trump is this. Trump is the conductor, and he is saying, get on this train, let's win this election. So anyone who's saying Trump doesn't want them, that's not true. Also, you can't win without more people on the train. So the, the stupidity of, look, I think Ron DeSantis, uh, if Trump didn't run, I think Ron DeSantis would have been the nominee. I think he would have been beaten Nikki Haley. I think most people who are voting for Trump in Iowa, if you ask them who was your second choice, I think they overwhelmingly would have said Ron DeSantis. And I think that's why there was so much toxicity between Trump and Ron DeSantis supporters online and still is on social media because everybody got their feelings all up and they end up arguing back and forth. And and uh, social media is often a very emotional medium, period. It's a reactive. Uh, that's why it's po- powerful. Emotion drives uh, much of the tweets or X's or whatever you want to call it. So I, I think DeSantis should be. We'll see who Trump picks as vice president. To your point, we had that conversation, I think, on Thursday or Friday. If Trump were to win and his vice president were to acquit him or herself well, then that person might have a leg up. But I think there's going to be 20 or 25 people running uh, for the Republican nomination in 2028. A lot of people have set it out. Uh, you know, For instance, Ted Cruz, assuming he wins his primary in 2024, I'd be shocked. I mean, sorry, wins his, uh, wins his Senate reelection. 
I'd be shocked if he's not running in 28. We could run through Tim Scott's going to run. Like we could run through Nikki Haley's going to run. Everybody who was in the mix in 24 and a lot of 16s, I think will all come back. Plus that generation that's been waiting, uh, the Josh Hawley's of the world, all those people are going to run too. So there was also, I mentioned Trump, uh, Trump retiring the dissent, dissanctimonious nickname, which I'm just going to say, I never thought was irrespective of anyone's feelings on Ron DeSantis. Trump, some of his nicknames were amazing. Like when he called Jeb low energy, that was the end of the Jeb campaign. Um, you know, there, there have been some times where he re- crooked Hillary was perfect. Um, but here he is saying, uh, this is Trump congratulating Ron DeSantis, um, for drop, you know, for making the right move effectively. This is cut four and dropping out. Let's hear what Trump had to say. Before we begin, I'd like to take time to congratulate Ron DeSantis and of course a Really terrific person who had gotten to know his wife, Casey, for having run a great campaign for president. He did. He ran a, a really good campaign, I will tell you. It's not easy. They think it's easy doing this stuff, right? It's not easy. But as you know, he left the campaign trail today at 3 p.m. And in so doing, he was very gracious and he endorsed me. So I appreciate it. I appreciate that. And I also... Look forward to working with Ron and everybody else to defeat crooked Joe Biden. You know, Clay, um, magnanimous Trump. That's the way that that's the way to win the 2024 election. And I think it's worth noting that he he really he he made a, a point there of saying that Ron DeSantis is a good guy and he's you know he's effectively back on the team now and. You know, is it the, uh, I believe, is uh, the the Marines, it said, that there's no better friend, no worse enemy, right? Isn't that one of the, I think it's, God, if it's the Army, I apologize. I think it's the Marines. Um, that should be Trump's political vibe. No better friend, no worse enemy, right? I mean, all focused on defeating the opposition, but bringing together people on our side and uh, and doing what's necessary to defeat the Democrats in the fall. Yeah, and I think you asked also about Nikki Haley in New Hampshire, Everybody should go vote. I'm going to keep saying everybody should go vote for the next 10 months. So when I give you an opinion, it doesn't mean if you hear this opinion and you agree with it, well, then, oh, I don't need to go vote. Voice it like the same thing I said for Iowa in the same way that first people in Iowa got to have such an important statement. And basically you guys delivered for Trump to such an extent that Ron DeSantis and Vivek Ramaswamy both dropped out. I think that New Hampshire should go deliver their vote as well. And I believe when that happens, Nikki Haley is going to lose probably by double digits in New Hampshire in a basically a one-on-one matchup. And when that happens, I think Nikki Haley should also drop out and endorse Donald Trump. And this thing, you and I would have said, if you had asked me in this time last year, in 2023, hey, what do you expect for the Republican primary race to look like? I think both of us would have said, man, we think it's going to go well into March, knock down, drag out. It'll be a, a, you know, DeSantis versus Trump and other people will get involved. As soon as the indictments happened, Trump took off and he hasn't looked back and Nikki Haley has no hope of beating him. So, uh, she, she will lose in her home state of, four, uh, of South Carolina in a month. And I think she's going to lose in New Hampshire tomorrow. All of you should go vote. I understand some of you are diehard, uh, Nikki Haley supporters. I also understand some of you listening right now don't like Donald Trump. My my question to you is, do you like Joe Biden? Because you don't get to throw fits and insist on the perfect candidate. So to me, it is a binary. And I understand some of you will go vote third party. There's no math equation that I have seen at all that suggests that any third party can win at all. So I would suggest that you are basically in a binary. It's going to be Trump or it's going to be Biden based on right now. Now, I still think, and we've got some polling numbers, and I'll share those with you, Buck. I still think there's the ripcord, break-the-glass moment that's going to happen with Joe Biden. I just think these numbers keep getting worse. I think when Trump is officially in, his numbers are going to get even better because I think a lot of the DeSantis people, I think a lot of the Nikki Haley people are going to come back to that binary. Um, and I just don't think that Biden is motivating people at all. And we'll talk about that. we got 10 months to figure it out. But there's a Harvard-Harris poll out right now that the more third-party candidates there are, what do you think? The more it helps Trump, by and large. And so I, I expect for there to be a Liz Cheney Hail Mary or a Chris Christie Hail Mary. 
Maybe they'll try to get one of those guys or gals on a third-party ticket. But I think you really just have a binary choice now. If you think Joe Biden has done a good job, you should go vote for Joe Biden. And by the way, that's you're right. I think Joe Biden's the worst president in any of our lives. Some of you may disagree. And if I have a choice between voting for the worst president in any of our lives or the guy who's not the worst president in any of our lives, regardless of who it is, I'm going to vote for the guy who's not the worst president in my life. I think that's an easy choice. Um, I think over the next 10 months, many of you will come to that same conclusion, even if right now your feelings are hurt and your pride is wounded because you were a big DeSantis supporter and DeSantis got, you know, a, a Look, tsunami. It's, it's okay tsunami. to be disappointed. If I had watched the Chiefs playing a football game over the weekend, I would either be happy or disappointed based on the outcome, but I have absolutely no idea. So, <laughs> Well, you know what we had, Buck? We won again. Another, uh, we won three out of four of the, uh, of the picks that I gave you for prize picks. Uh, let me review, let me go review exactly what that was. Uh, we, George Kittle went over on receiving yards. Baker Mayfield over on passing yards. Mike Evans over on receiving yards. I believe you two plus, I think it's two and a half times your money if you put down uh, the picks on those guys. Christian Watson did not go over on receiving yards. Packers a wide receiver, but Buck, we 10x'd on the first uh, on the first uh, uh, prize picks uh, offer that I gave out to you. Now we have over doubled three out of four, so seven out of eight of my picks so far have hit with prize picks, and I hope that many of you have gone out and signed up at prizepicks.com. Oh, I, I smoked it. I smoked yeah, you, it. Look at this. I, uh, Mr. Baker Mayfield and Mr. George Kittle, your picks yes. on these things, I made, I, I made great picks. Yay. I'm in the you green. Won, you won. Your, your, uh, the tallies hit the more, uh, category there and you won. So you have now won two straight weeks. I will give everybody out there Friday, I will give you picks. The AFC and the NFC championship games are set. Congratulations, everybody in Detroit, uh, Lions fans in the NFC championship game have won two playoff games. Amazing. Uh, 49ers are there. You got the Chiefs and you got the Ravens. Uh, I will give you more picks on Friday. We'll see if we can make it three straight weeks of wins. But what you need to do is go sign up. Uh, you can select two or more players and you can turn $10 into $1,000. They will match whatever deposit you put down up to $100 with free play dollars. So you put in $100, you get an extra $100. Just go sign up right now. You're going to like it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, you can join Prize Picks and they'll match your first deposit up to $100. You go get signed up right now. Use my code Clay for first deposit bonus. Clay, prizepicks.com slash Clay. If you want to go out right now and sign up, lots of you doing this, prizepicks.com slash Clay. Stay on top of election news with 24 from Clay and Buck, a weekly podcast you can find on the free iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash news. That's LifeLock.com slash news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here.
I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. A couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, been the podcast juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome back in. Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us. We're rolling through the Monday edition of the pri- uh, of the program, Primary Eve in New Hampshire. We'll certainly be breaking that down for you for most part of the rest of this show tomorrow. And then Wednesday, we'll be talking about the actual results. As always, Granite Staters, I'll get it right this time, everybody out there, go vote. And I want to tie this in. We'll talk some more about this in the third hour, the lawfare that is going on. Uh, we got an email from a VIP, and sometimes VIPs ask this question. Um, and uh, and so uh, I want to talk about Fonnie Willis and what's going on in Georgia in particular. we got some audio for you. But Mike wrote in and said, if the left truly wanted to run against Trump, why the lawfare? That makes no sense. Uh, I, I disagree completely. If you buy into the lawfare argument, which I think Buck does, I, I know I do, the analysis, and we we were, I think if you went back and listened the first time that Mar-a-Lago got raided, what was that, like August of 2022, Buck, when they did the first Mar-a-Lago yeah. raid, something like that, uh, and they went and tried to gl- grab the classified documents. I remember we came on and you saw an immediate spike in uh, support for Trump, but there wasn't until the charges were filed in March of 2023, by Alvin Bragg, who filed the first charges, and then in short order, we had the uh, the South Florida charges, the D.C. charges, and the Atlanta charges. And I'll talk about the Atlanta and Fonnie Willis just shortly. The data was clear that Republicans would rally around Trump. So I don't think there's any doubt that Democrats made the calculated decision. They thought it was a good move politically to go after Donald Trump in an election year when it came to the general election and that it was likely to aid his campaign in the primary. And so I don't think there is any doubt at all that the Biden administration made the choice that they want to run against Donald Trump. That's the reason for all these charges. They knew it would strengthen him in the Republican primary, and they believed it would weaken him in the general. Now, What Buck and I have been talking about for a while is the data may not reflect that that's true. We'll get into that a little bit in the third hour, but that is that is the question of the election now. And by the way, I'm not sure that they're even going to be able to get any of these court cases done, but they believe that if they get a conviction on Trump, that that will weaken Trump with independent voters, with swing voters in the swing states, and that would propel Biden or another Democrat in the event that it's not Biden to election in 2024. That is the political gamble that they are making. And Republicans are making the choice to put Trump in. Now, we'll never know. Maybe there's a multiverse out there what the impact of the Republican primary would have been if Democrats had never charged Trump with any crime. I actually think it would have been far more competitive, and we may have ended up with a different nominee if Trump were not charged with a crime at all. Now, having said all that, Georgia, it appears... The state charges in Georgia are basically collapsing in real time. As we told you, 
based on allegations, which now seem quite clear, that Fawny Willis decided to hire her, uh, her mister, her paramour, her a lover, and paid him $650,000 in taxpayer funds. There now has been evidence that comes out that shows all of the, uh, the money that was spent, uh, the taxpayer uh, dollars going on vacations. Again, taxpayer dollars. He was paid 200 shortly after she was elected as the Fulton County DA. She said there's not going to be any inappropriate relationships in this office while she's in charge. Listen. Supervisors under my leadership that are not encouraging and building up my staff will not be supervisors long in my administration. And um, I certainly will not be choosing people to date that work under me. Let, let me just say that. I think that what citizens are really, really concerned about is if you chose to have inappropriate contact with employees. I mean, there's nothing that I can say on it other than it is distracting. Um, it is certainly inappropriate for the number one law enforcement officer in the state. Um, and it just, it, it really, really saddens me. And it will be very unfortunate if the taxpayers of this community have to pay for any of those lawsuits. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, Buck. That is, Look, she has done exactly what she said would never happen. I, I think it's, it's clear that the, uh, Georgia trial of Donald Trump, the whole Rico thing. It was a stretch to begin with. Uh, we always agreed that that was one that, you know, as soon as it became clear there were 19 defendants or 18 defendants or whatever it was going to be, they weren't going to be able to get this done in time. Now, I think part of the calculation there was always it was politically advantageous for Fannie Willis, regardless of the timeline. And also they, because it's state charges, not federal charges, Theoretically, they could wait until even after the election to bring it all and they could still get Trump, right? I mean, and I know there's been some back and forth on whether president could, uh, get rid of state charges as well as federal charges. But anyway, um, what we have now is the complete collapse of this whole thing. And the, one of the problems with prosecutorial misconduct and the reason that it has to be taken so seriously is that, uh, especially in, in a situation like this, where you have multiple cases being brought against an individual, the whole thing just looks bad. It's like this is the kind of prosecutor that brings a case against Donald Trump, somebody with this level of uh, ethical um, disconnect, this kind of uh, compromise ethics on display. So uh, to me, this whole thing is falling apart, but it also is a reminder that this was all a political hit. And so I think that the the optics of this are really bad for all of the Trump trials, right? It's more than just even the Fonnie Willis trial because, as I've been saying all along, you just look at some of these things without even knowing some of the details of the case, Clay. All the all the charges are brought in the election year, really. They're, they're going to yeah. wait so all the trials happen in the election year. Donald Trump is uh, going to be, you know, 80 before long, never charged with a crime before in his life, all of a sudden four felony indictments. I mean... You just look at the, the percentages of the numbers, and now you have, really, one of the prosecutors bringing this is a clear partisan hack who probably should lose her law license. You know what I mean? I, I, I think that people look at this, normal people look at this stuff, and they come away with the conclusions that they should, which is that the whole thing is a farce. Yeah, and, and again, this, even the New York Times, which tries to ignore a lot of these stories, on the Sunday New York Times had a front page story about Fawny Willis and this relationship with Nathan Wade. So I don't know when it's going to be officially kicked to the curb. The story that would really open a hornet's nest here, Buck, is now not the Atlanta case. Because I think Fawny Willis, I think all that's falling apart. She's going to have to step down. She may be, If she got charged with crimes, which I don't think it's crazy that she could be charged with crimes based on hiring her lover, paying him this much money. And if he were charged as well, again, uh, and the argument you could make is that she was profiting off of taxpayer dollars by hiring him. I don't know what the protocol is, but I'm quite clear and certain that there had to be some sort of protocol where you would acknowledge if you were in a relationship with someone, uh, especially if you're in a supervisory role over that individual. That is a big no-no and Pretty much any company in America, you have to go. I mean, some of you out there listening may have been in this situation before where you have to go to HR and say, hey, we are dating. This is a situation that's going on so the company's aware of it. If there were criminal charges brought against her, and I think there very well could be, this could be a situation where 
the, all of the behind the scenes covert relationship between the Biden administration, Department of Justice, and the way all these charges were brought could go up in smoke in a big way. And you and I have been saying to everybody out there, commentators who dreamed of Trump going away to prison, looked at the Alvin Bragg charges and said, this is the biggest garbage that could possibly exist. So I think you toss that on the scrap heap. The South Florida charges are the most significant because there's almost a strict liability offense associated with these classified documents. Now, Biden has his own classified documents scandal, and the jury pool is way better. So that, to me, is also kind of shunted off to the side. Plus, it's not going to happen, I don't think, based on the timing before the actual election. The Jack Smith case now becomes even more integral and central to everything that the Biden administration is trying to do. And so remember, that case right now is scheduled for March 5th. There's no way it's going to start on March 5th. I don't think it could start until the summer, but I wonder whether they're going to start the Alvin Bragg case, Buck, because that one seems to be potentially the easiest to get going, and then they take them out of order that we're expecting right now. That That's one thing that I think if you're out there paying attention to this lawfare and trying to game plan it, I think the schedule now may shift to Alvin Bragg bringing his super weak charges in New York State first. Um, and if that happens, we'll see how that impacts things. But, uh, this is the, this is the story of the, of the entire election now. What, if any, is there going to be an impact there? I'll take some of your calls, 800-282-2882. In the meantime, Tunnel Towers Foundation supports America's greatest heroes. These are our military service members and first responders who've died or become severely injured in the line of duty, as well as homeless veterans. These are the heroes we all owe a debt of gratitude to. The Foundation's Gold Star Fallen First Responder Smart Home and Homeless Veteran Program honors the sacrifices made for us through the Foundation's Never Forget programs, which engage people in 9-11 remembrances across America, over 80 runs, walks, and climbs a year, dozens of golf outings and barbecues, where hundreds or even thousands of people come together. Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institute educate kids in kindergarten through 12th grade about America's darkest day while helping our nation keep its vow to never forget. More than 95 cents of every dollar you donate to Tunnel to Towers goes to its programs. Never forget 9-11 or the sacrifices of our country's greatest heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. Stay on top of election news with 24 from Clay and Buck, a weekly podcast you can find on the free iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome in hour number two, Monday edition of the program. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us. We'll continue to take some of your calls reacting to Ron DeSantis dropping out. We're on the eve of the New Hampshire primary and we are joined by Ohio Senator J.D. Vance, who has been in the news quite a lot lately, also been campaigning all over New Hampshire, I have seen, uh, with uh, President Trump, who is soon to lock up the Republican nomination. And, J.D., I'm sure you uh, have been asked about this all over New Hampshire by voters, but uh, Axios had a story out that said there are three primary contenders for the VP. Uh, they mentioned Nikki Haley. Uh, they mentioned Elise Stefanik, and they mentioned Senator J.D. Vance of Ohio. So, look, you're not on the roll necessarily that Southeast Michigan is, but uh, given the Lions are in the <laughs> NFC Championship and Michigan won the championship, which I know you hate because you're an Ohio State guy, but you got elected to the Senate in uh, in November of 2022, and now Axios says you're one of the three finalists for the VP. So, uh, so are you going to be the next VP or not? Uh, you have to ask Donald Trump. Look, I'm, I'm extremely skeptical of these rumors at this early stage. Uh, I'm, I actually really agree with Donald Trump that the VP actually doesn't matter that much politically. Of course, it matters a lot in governance. But I don't think anybody really votes for VP. They vote for Joe Biden or, or Donald Trump, and hopefully they vote for Donald Trump. I mean, you know, the question of, like, am I interested, as I've said to many people, <clears throat> including, I think, you guys, I'll help the president however I can because I think it's important that we reelect him. Uh, I think one of the most important ways he needs uh, close allies is actually not just as a vice president, but as a U.S. senator. And so I think it's a really important role for me to play in the United States Senate for the people of Ohio and for the agenda that we all care about. Uh, but look, when the president uh, makes that decision, if it's me, then I'll certainly uh, be extremely interested in it. We'll deal with it then. 
exactly what we would expect the next vice president to say, yes. Clay. <laughs> so, yes, exactly. So, so JD, JD though, you know, we, we have, um, uh, Nikki Haley still technically in it, Ron DeSantis out. Um, how do you think this is going to play out now? I mean, we're, we're getting, you know, we're getting to the point where the polls for Democrats are looking bleak. Trump is clearly going to be the nominee. Uh, do you think that they just try the Donald Trump incited insurrection strategy with all the legal stuff and they stay with Joe Biden? Do you think that there's still some kind of a plan? I mean, between now and when voters are deciding, what, what are you keeping an eye on? Well, I think the big question, and it's always hard to analyze this stuff when you're kind of in the inside of it. Obviously, I've been a big ally of the president uh, during the early stages of this primary. But, you know, I, I, I think that this thing is over. Um, I, I think the really the big question is whether we, we continue to fight a useless primary fight through Super Tuesday or whether the voters in New Hampshire put it away tomorrow. Because I think if there's a small enough Trump victory, and I do think Trump will win tomorrow, then the media and the pundits and Nikki Haley's donors will say, well, let's put another $100 billion behind this thing attacking Donald Trump. That won't change whether he's the nominee. It will weaken the Republican Party going into the November election. Um, how do I think this thing plays out in the general election? I mean, look, I, I think Trump definitely has the edge here. Obviously, they will throw everything that they've ever thrown at him. But the thing about Trump is he's not, and this is one of the huge advantages he always had over Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley. I made this point on Fox News yesterday, but People say that Trump has baggage. Well, everybody has baggage. The question is whether you survived the media onslaught attacking you over everything that you've done and everything you, you in fact, haven't done. And I think Trump's ability to show resilience in the face of those political attacks means that they're going to throw everything at him. I don't know that it's really going to matter. I don't know if you guys saw this. There was a Harvard poll today, which has not been an especially pro-Trump pollster. They're a pretty good pollster. They had Trump beating Biden by six points which is just a huge margin for modern times. But then they asked the question, if he is convicted of mishandling classified documents, uh, what, 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 what say you then? And again, he was up 53-47 against Joe Biden. So I, I think there's evidence here that all of this stuff is baked in, and this is fundamentally a referendum on the failed policies of Joe Biden against the successful ones of Donald Trump. That's an election we can win as Republicans. All right, let's dive into what's going on at our southern border and also what's going on in Ukraine and the attempt to connect the two, which we are not a lot, uh, not big fans of, obviously, on this program. But you've been paying attention to what's going on on the ground in Ukraine. Where are we headed there? And also, what do you think is going to happen at our southern border and what should happen? Break down these scenarios for us as you see it playing out. So briefly on Ukraine, total quagmire. The Ukrainians at this point are not making real advances. Another $61 billion isn't going to do anything other than kill a lot more people and risk a bigger escalation. On the southern border, we know what a disaster it is. The one additional thing I've been talking about a lot the last couple of weeks, because I just learned this myself. I didn't realize how big of a problem this is. Do you know that because the way that they count illegal immigrants in the census, California has five congressional seats it wouldn't have? if the illegal immigration numbers were zero in this country. So so we're actually talking about stealing the democratic legitimacy away from American citizens when you bring in illegal aliens, give them congressional representation at the expense of the American people. This is a huge, huge crisis of legitimacy for our entire country. So, uh, look, what's going on in Washington is that leadership, and I say in both parties, is trying to pair these packages where Republicans allegedly – get border security, and Democrats get money for Ukraine, what is going to happen in reality if this package passes is a massive amount of amnesty, no realistic border security, and the Democrats get everything they want on Ukraine. It's a horrendous deal for Republicans, and it's exactly why Donald Trump is such an important figure in our party to begin with. Why do we keep on making these terrible deals where our voters get nothing, they get everything, and we wonder why our voters are so pissed off all the time It's exactly because of what's going on in D.C. now. Final point I'll make on this, we have been told to expect to vote on this thing in a week or two. Immigration law is very complicated. It is Monday. I still haven't seen text on this thing. And importantly, if they really wanted to trade border for Ukraine, they could say, we'll give you your your Ukraine money, Joe Biden, if you get illegal border crossings to zero. The fact that they're not willing to make that trade suggests This isn't about border security. This is all about providing political cover for Ukraine. 
JD, when you're talking about Ukraine, you know, I saw, uh, Nikki Haley making this argument recently, and, and it's one that you still catch in some quarters of the GOP. Certainly it's, it's very common for the Biden administration, whether it's top officials or, or members of the Senate, where they say, if we don't stop Russia in Ukraine, next is, and they start rattling off, you know, Poland and all these NATO countries. If Russia is having, I mean, you were a military guy. If Russia is having this much trouble in Ukraine, why would anyone think that their next move would be to trigger NATO Article 5 and to start invading other countries with more sophisticated defense systems? I, I, I don't get that argument. Well, you don't get that argument because it's a terrible argument. It doesn't make any sense. Russia can't, as you say, handle Ukraine. They're certainly gonna, not going to invade a much stronger country uh, like Poland or go further um, further west into Europe. The, the other thing that this argument really gets wrong is whether China or some other country is emboldened by the United States' conduct is fundamentally a question of our strength. You know, the old foreign policy wisdom is that deterrence equals resolve plus capability. Now, our capability is significantly weakened. You guys have heard me say this. Our number of missile systems is down to dangerous levels. Our number of artillery shells is down to dangerous levels. So the more that we keep shifting needed weapon systems into Ukraine, the further we weaken our own capability. That weakness, that lack of capability is what's going to invite the next attack. So if we want to prevent a major world historical invasion in Taiwan or somewhere else, the best thing we can do is stop throwing our weapons and money into Ukraine and preserve it for the next crisis. Because whatever that crisis is, we know it will happen. How do you think Joe Biden would respond if China invaded Taiwan? Uh, it's a very good question. I thought about it a lot. I have no idea. I, th- I think that what he would probably do is overreact in an incredibly stupid way. I think that he would try to do something big. It would not be well thought out. It would fail. It might even kill a lot of Americans in the process, and it wouldn't deter the Chinese. Uh, the, the, the thing that the reason I say that Biden might overreact here is, is because the real deterrence that we have right now with China is right now. We should be giving the Taiwanese every single weapon system they might need to fight off an invasion. Biden is failing to do that in some cases because he's giving needed weapons uh, in Ukraine, meaning the, the weapons the Taiwanese need, he's giving them to Ukraine. So my, my sense is that he will do something really big, really unpredictable, because he knows that it will be his fault if the Chinese invade Taiwan. But I don't know, man. Your guess is as good as mine. I think it's really important that we deter the Chinese now rather than pick up the pieces if, God forbid, they invade Taiwan. You mentioned uh, a little bit earlier, and I agree with you, that Trump is baked in. It's really hard to find something new that you're going to rip Trump on or even really move people off what they think of Trump for better or worse. And people like Trump and his presidency more than they liked Biden. Story came out uh, in the Daily Mail that Buck and I talked a lot about. Uh, not because it should impact the way that you vote necessarily, but just because it's indicative that a lot of Nikki Haley's past is not known very well. Front page story on the New York Times that I was reading this morning is prep, J.D., talking about how Nikki Haley really had no money at all, and then when she got involved in politics, she started to make a lot of money. Uh, you know, that's a, a story as old as time. But when you look at the story that came out from the Daily Mail about supposedly multiple affairs, affidavits, New York Times today coming out, and saying, hey, you know, she's got a little bit of uh, impropriety in her past in terms of how she made money. Have they really, Democrats, opened up the anti-Nikki Haley file yet? Or do you think in general they're protecting her uh, in, and waiting and they'll do, they would just unleash like crazy if she actually became a nominee? Because one of the arguments you'll hear, and I'm sure you've heard it a lot, is, oh, she'll poll better than Trump in some of these swing states. Do you buy that? Or is the oppo file really not unleashed on her yet? We've seen the tippity tip of the iceberg guys and they will throw everything that they have at her if, if, if some, you know, act of God happened and she became the nominee. This argument that she does not have baggage, I think, completely ignores what you guys just said. There was the story in the Daily Mail. There's all of her business dealings. I mean, she sat on the board of Boeing while Boeing seems to not be able to make airplanes that can stay in the sky and she made millions of dollars. Like what, what expertise did she bring to the table other than political connections? You know, you, you start to dig into that stuff, and it's going to turn a lot of voters off. And then you layer on the media complex and the hundreds of millions of dollars of pro-Biden super PACs going after her. 
the idea that she comes out of that in a better position than Donald Trump, I, I think it's laughable. Uh, you're, you're talking about a person whose advantage at all over Biden, I, I think is based on a mirage that people just don't know her past, good or bad yet. The Democrats are going to throw everything they have at her, whereas Trump's advantage over Biden is based on, I mean, he's the most well-known figure literally in the entire country. The idea that you can knock him down a peg with attack ads is ridiculous. It is, in fact, one of the reasons why people underestimated his chances in Iowa is they thought, you know, when the super PACs really went after him, Trump was going to get knocked down. Well, everybody knows what they think about Trump, good and bad. You can't really knock the guy down at this point. J.D. Vance, everybody. J.D., Senator Vance, appreciate you being with us. Thanks, guys. Take care. Look, good workouts aren't supposed to be easy. They're never going to be easy, but they're a lot more exhilarating and likelier to happen when you use Chad Mode as a pre-workout supplement. For all the workouts I've been taking on lately and uh, all the time I've been sitting at a desk and writing for hours and hours on end, let me tell you, Chad Mode comes in handy every time. It's a phenomenal source of energy. Comes the form of a scoop of powder. You put it in a glass of water or juice before you work out all clean ingredients, too. You look at the label. You say, oh, I know what all that stuff is, and that stuff's all good, and it tastes good, too, by the way. Once you see the boost you'll get from Chad Mode, you're going to always rely on it in the future. You can find it online with the rest of Chalk's great products. The website is chalk.com, C-H-O-Q.com. Try this pre-workout, not just for workouts, but if you need a little energy boost in your day, Especially in the afternoon, you start to think, do I need a nap? No, try a little Chad mode. Chalk.com is a website. C-H-O-Q.com. Use promo code BUCK for 35%. That's Chalk. C-H-O-Q.com. Promo code BUCK for 35% off any Chalk subscription. From the front lines of truth, Clay Travis and Buck Sexton. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's Reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. The warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As we gear up for the biggest year in politics, one thing we can all do now is start voting with our wallets. By supporting brands and companies that share your values, you're sending a message. It's like buying a team jersey, and we're on Team Sanity. Our sponsors are, too. So before we get behind the candidates, let's get behind the people, our people. 
Every day, men and women who have started businesses across the country, people just like you and me. Support a Clay and Buck sponsor and let your voice be heard. The more of us that support them, the louder our collective voice becomes. All right, welcome back. We had been talking about the numbers from a new Harvard-Harris poll. Remember, the polls got it right in Iowa, and I think they're about to get it right in New Hampshire as well. And the biggest concern that we've seen in all the data involving Trump v. Biden in a 2024 matchup was a poll from a few months ago that showed Trump winning in every swing state unless there is a conviction. Now, it's more specific than that, and I think this data, this additional data, is closer to uh, the, the truth than that initial, or closer to the reality of what would happen than that initial poll. Here's what I'm talking about. This new poll that's out here, like I said, Harvard-Harris poll, if Trump is convicted of cr- uh, crimes related to his handling of classified documents, who would you vote for for president? Trump's still up six. If Trump is convicted by a jury for RICO charges, Racketeer Influence Corrupt Organizations Act. I think I got that one right. Um, who would you vote for for president? Trump still wins up two, even after conviction. And I don't think that trial is even going to happen anymore. The whole thing's probably going to go away. Or it's, it's collapsing as we speak. But if Trump is convicted for inciting the Capitol riots of January 6th, who would you vote for for president? Suddenly there is a swing and Joe Biden is up for 52-48. Does this track? Do you think this is accurate? And is this basically telling us that the only hope that the Biden Democrats have right now for another four years of Joe Biden slash Kamala Harris when she takes over slash whoever maybe steps in for him uh, is a conviction in the D.C. January 6th case. Is this how you see it? I am inclined to think that everything is baked in. Based on, we talked to J.D. Vance about this earlier, that people have basically made up their mind. But this is the entire race for Democrats. They have essentially gambled everything. They pushed their chips into the table. They said, we want Trump as the opponent. And they believe that if they get a conviction, particularly in that January 6th Jack Smith case, that it will swing the election in their favor. Now, I don't think they ever thought, Buck, that they would be sitting in a situation. I mentioned the third party, and I do think it's it's the wild card here, exactly how this would play. In the uh, Harvard-Harris poll, as you just mentioned, Trump is up six. But what's really intriguing to me is if you throw all of these third-party candidates in, so they polled Trump, Biden, RFK Jr., Cornell West, Jill Stein, right? Cornell West, left-wing uh, uh, black uh, professor from Harvard. Princeton. No. Is he at Princeton now? Was he formerly think, at Harvard? I don't know. They're both, Has they're been both an fancy Ivy places. Has been left, leftist for some time, but decently yeah. well-known. Jill Stein, obviously the Green Party. She says she's coming back. Uh, and we know RFK Jr., we talked about that earlier. Trump actually has an 11-point lead there. Now, this is without Chris Christie. This is without the no labels, as Buck said, maybe designed to keep Trump from being elected. But if you only had RFK Jr., Trump's up 8. If you have Trump, he's up 11. My thought is, as you analyze this, and I think most of you would agree, Trump's 44 or 45 is as diehard as any 44 or 45 out there. Uh, that is the percentage that would support him. I don't think there really is a Biden base. I think there's an anti-Trump base. The more options there are, the more the anti-Trump vote gets diluted, which is why, Buck, when I said, like, if Joe Manchin runs, I think it hurts Biden. I think when you don't have a hardcore base that your support is more fungible and people are willing to go elsewhere. Like, I think the 44 or 45% that Trump has baked in that will show up for him would walk through, you know, a, a, a fiery uh, a, a conflagration to be able to cast a ballot for Trump. I think Biden's support is not that, right? There is no diehard Biden base, so I think every third party, by and large, hurts him. I've never met a person 
who was deeply emotionally invested in Joe Biden. Every Democrat I know is deeply emotionally invested in defeating Donald Trump, so it doesn't really matter. Uh, But I've never met somebody who goes, you know who really gets me fired up about leadership in America? Joe Biden. Like, no one believes that. Also in this poll, though, I thought this was really interesting. Um, Immigration is now, same Harvard-Harris poll, top concern for voters, up seven points in the last month. It is now at 35%. It is ahead of inflation. And 77% of voters think the Biden administration should make a deal with Republicans to increase security. 65% of Democrats um, and 68%, this is what's really tough for them, think the Biden administration should make it tougher to get into the U.S. illegally. Okay, 68% of people think Biden needs to make it harder. This is what I'm saying. This is a 70-30 issue now in America. And that's why, Clay, I mean, I, is he our favorite Democrat senator now? I mean, do we need to just suck it up and speak the truth here? Is John Fetterman, of the Democrats, the best Democrat senator? Or is this all some ploy to, you know, throw people off, and now he's going moderate, and he's going to become a commie again? I don't know. But all I can tell you is, listen to what he says here. This is cut 24 about a secure border. I honestly don't understand why it's controversial to say we we need a secure border. Uh, I've been very clear. In fact, that was weaponized against me as Republicans in my race that I'm very much a, a strong supporter of immigration. And, you know, my my wife's family, I, that's the uh, Oregon story about that. Uh, and I think two things can be true at the same time. You can be very supportive of immigration, but we also need to have a secure border. And I really, I think about immigration is we want to provide the American dream for any uh, migrant. But it seems very difficult when you have 300,000 people showing up encountered at, at our border. I mean, he's not, he's not like perfect on immigration, obviously, but he's better than some Republicans. I mean, if we're going to speak truth on this one, I think he's better on the border than some Republican senators are right now, which is astonishing considering he came in as the hoodie wearing communist of Pennsylvania. I, I think I would have to say of any Democrat senator that I have seen so far in the well in the last six months or so, uh, since October seventh for sure, which seems to have been uh, October seventh for Fetterman seems to have been a clarifying moment. And I mean, heck, I, I don't know that he would come on this show. I mean, I, I guess Allie, we could we could invite him. I mean, I, I imagine that he would not want to come on radio because I think he still has auditory processing issues. Um, and it might not go very well for him. And even when you hear him talk there, I mean, it's not a perfectly scripted answer. But since October 7th, I think he's been rattled. I, I, I honestly think if you sat down with John Fetterman, I think there are many Fettermans out there. I, I hear from them, Buck, because they said, you know, I thought you, when you talked about identity politics, culture war stuff, I thought you were exaggerating where we were headed. I think a lot of, if you are rational, Let me say this to everybody out there as we get rolling in 2024. You should be willing to change your opinion if the facts change on any situation that is out there that you have an opinion on. You should constantly be challenging yourself. You should be looking at the facts. You should be assessing. You should be analyzing. You should be processing. And you should be willing to adjust. I think the people who were on the left and are honest... October 7th shook a lot of them. Not only what happened with Hamas's attack upon Israel, but the fact that so many people lined up and said Israel is to blame. And what John Fetterman is saying is 100% true. There should be no one in America who's opposed to a secure southern border. None of us benefit. None of us. Uh, by restricting the flow of illegal immigration. And so... What happened is, I think, Buck, if you go back to 2015, the idea of a wall is not crazy. What's the first thing most rich people do when they buy a home? They put a yeah, freaking wall around it. No, of course, of course, walls work. And anyone who spent any time with Border Patrol will say that the wall is a tool, like so many yes. things. It, it's not a argument ender. It's not, oh, we have a wall. Now everything's over because uh, people can drill holes in it or they can put a you know a ladder. I mean, there are ways. I've seen people arrested for going through the wall, but they got arrested because it slows them down. It allows the greater concentration of Border Patrol resources in high-traffic areas. There are sensors. There's multiple fences. There's a lot of things that, that come into it. Uh, but I thought this really 
um, really hit it home. It's just something that's not getting very much attention. But right now in, uh, I'm trying to find the name. Oh, yeah, in Denver Health, which is a hospital in Denver. Um, that, that's pretty obvious, I guess. Um, a, a Denver it'd an, hospital. It would be an upset if it was New York City, but. Yeah, yeah, it would really throw people off. They have a budget shortfall of over $136 million and are demanding a federal bailout. And they say that, you know what's causing this, folks? Caring for more than 8,000 illegal aliens, particularly in their emergency rooms. Destroying this, that this hospital's going bankrupt. A major hospital in Denver. That's just in Denver. There don't even have that many new illegals piling in there. 30% of ER visits across New York City, across the five boroughs, uh, as of, I think it was a couple months ago. Migrants. Illegals. Illegals, just because that's where they go to get health care. And they're also getting health care in these migrant centers, by the way, but that's you know a whole other thing. Um, but, you know, you can imagine if you're sitting there and, you know, you had an accident and you got a screwdriver sticking through your forearm and you really need help in the ER, you know, while migrants are there getting prescription glasses and stuff, you got to wait. It's not good. No, and this is where Greg Abbott's decision to actually force these sanctuary cities to live by the sort of left-wing talking points that they were endorsing on a regular basis. Oh, we're a sanctuary city. Oh, we believe in... I mean, I thought DeSantis called this out perfectly when he flew people into Martha's Vineyard, and you saw how quickly Martha's Vineyard, with only 50 immigrants arriving, illegal immigrants, totally collapsed. They couldn't handle 50. They they declared a state of emergency. They, exp- uh, they, they forced them off the island, right? I mean, the Boston fell apart. Just 50. Um, and I, I think all of these places that geographically are remote, New York, Boston, Washington, D.C., Chicago, for examples in this country, Denver is hap- having it happen too, but they all were able to basically make uh, hay from the fact that they aren't that geographically close to having to deal with the issue. And what uh, Greg Abbott forced everybody to have to reconcile with is what Texas deals with on a day-to-day basis. And by the way, Buck, that Harvard-Harris poll that you mentioned, not only did that Harvard-Harris poll came out today, I believe it was Suffolk came out with a New York State Biden v. Trump poll. Uh, and in third-party racing, Trump was only down nine points in New York State. And you say, how in the world does that happen? That's, again, when you factor in the third-party candidates, I think it was. It was like 46, 37, something like that. He's now Trump winning a majority of Hispanic voters in the state of New York. Think about how crazy that is. Again, New York is not particularly a battleground state, but the Hispanic vote is moving, according to that Suffolk poll that came out today, in a way now that Trump is winning the majority of Hispanic vote in New York state. And I think that's partly related to illegal immigration. You know, something's not right out there because there's a whole lot more noise you'll hear advocating for abortion than there is for unborn children to be given life. That's the way it is in the society. Because since Roe v. Wade was overturned, unfortunately, unborn babies' lives are at an even greater risk. The abortion pill now accounts for over 50% of all abortions. That makes the tragedy of abortion available 24-7. In the midst of this darkness, there's a light that shines, and that's the work and miracles happening at the pre-born network of clinics. This nonprofit organization has rescued over 280,000 babies from abortion in their 17 years of fighting for the unborn. Every day they rescue 200 babies. When a woman considering abortion visits a preborn clinic, she receives unconditional love and support and so often her first ultrasound since her pregnancy started. When she hears that baby's heartbeat, when she sees what that precious baby looks like on ultrasound, often for the first time that baby's chance at life doubles. Preborn needs our help, the pro-life community. For just $28, you can sponsor an ultrasound to introduce a mother to her baby for the first time. 100% of your donation will go towards saving babies' lives. Just dial pound 250, say the keyword baby. That's pound 250, say baby. Or donate securely online at preborn.com slash buck. That's preborn.com slash buck. Sponsored by Preborn. 24 Clay and Buck's weekly campaign cliff notes. Episodes drop Sundays at noon Eastern on the free iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts 
of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. 